Ladies, welcome. We get together on Tuesdays to learn the uh, Tehillim of David Amenechal Shalom. And uh, these classes are for the uh, memory of the Tzadiket, Lili Le'abad Virjaneh, Alei HaShalom, Mrs. Lili Meddeb. The project of her son <coughs> that has commissioned us to study and teach the chapters in depth, which should be a Luna Shama for the Tzadiket. Amen. Now, uh, I have us a chapter 76. Okay. So we agree on something. Uh, so the, uh, the chapter will have some historical uh, significance. David will refer to a, an event that happened. And we'll get to that as we move on. But the beginning of the chapter, David is actually uh, praising Hashem in writing this musical piece. It's a praising of Hashem for when he's going to return his divine presence to Jerusalem and rebuild the Beit HaMikdash. And at that time, the glory of God is going to be great and our enemies are going to be subjected and everybody will live happily ever after. That, that, that's what he talks about in the beginning of the uh, chapter over here. This is called Neginot. Neginot means it's a Negina. Negina is a jingle, a song. Lamnaseah is the conductor. So he writes the song for the conductor. Mizmor, it's also a form of a song. Mizmor indicates to us that it's a happy song as opposed to a, uh, let's say, a, a song that has a, a melancholy a theme to it. This is not. This is a, as a matter of fact, it's called a shir. So David uses every word possible to show that it's a positive a positive theme. Noda bihuda Elohim. That there's going to come a day that the uh, people of Yehuda, the people of Yehuda specifically refers to the Jewish people uh, that are connected to the temple. Our rabbis tell us that uh, part of the temple was actually in the tribe of Yehuda. Two tribes actually, Yehuda and Benjamin. So when we say Yehuda in this chapter is referring to the actual temple itself. That means it'll be known that there's a God in Israel in the area of Yehuda, Perush, Bet HaMikdash, Be'Yisrael, Gadol Shemo. And for that matter, in Israel proper, in Jerusalem, where Yisrael are, and the rest of the people, Gadol Shemo, God's name is going to be uh, exalted. His name will become great. When is this referring to? The next pasuk tells us. When? Are we going to know that there's a God in the Temple Mount? And when are we going to know that there's a God in Jerusalem? That's going to happen. Simple explanation is, when the Sukkot, Sukkot is the abode, like a Sukkah. When the Sukkah of Hashem, when the abode of God, abode is a fancy word, when the house of God will be Shalem. Shalem means complete. That means when it will be built. And his dwelling in Zion. That it's referring to that uh, we will realize the greatness of God uh, when He comes back and completes His third temple and puts His uh, abode back in Siyom. That's the simple reading of the Pesukim. I think quite appropriate that we're uh, reading it, you know, on the cusp of 
Tisha B'Av, and you'll see that actually God is with us because there's going to be even a stronger connection between this chapter. We don't prepare it, we just go in order, but the connections happen, uh, I was going to say by themselves, but they're divinely orchestrated from above. Now, there's another interpretation of the word Shalem. Shalem can mean complete. So the way I explained to you the Pasuk was, and it will be when his sukkah, when God's abode will be shalem, will be complete, which is referring to when the temple will be reconstructed and planted in Jerusalem, and God's dwelling will be in Zion, which is Jerusalem proper. Then, then it will be known to Yehuda and to Israel that there's a God in the world and that his name is great, as it says, Gadol Shemo. His name will be Gadol. His name will be great. I'll explain to you. Uh, as follows. <clears throat> is, God's, is God's name not great now? What do you mean Gadol Shemo? It sounds like now God's name is not so Gadol. But then it'll be Gadol. I'm not too sure what that means. God's name is Yudke Vavke. It's Yudke Vavke today, it'll be Yudke Vavke tomorrow. Are we going to add letters to Hashem's name? Is that what it means, Gadol Shemo? But there must be something to it because we say Kaddish. And if you see the Kaddish, what do we say? Yitkadal v'yitkadash Shemer May your name, Shemer your holy name become great. So there must be something to it that there's a name of God that is not great yet. And we're praying Yitkadal. Yitkadal means the future. Yitkadal means Yehe Gadol. What should be Gadol? Shemer Shemer Hashem. Hashem. Shemer the great name of Hashem. So the Mepharshim uh, explained, and it's based on Pesukim in the Torah, that what it means is that until the temple is built and Amalek is eradicated, I think we learned last week the connection between the two, until that happens, the glory of God is incomplete. Uh, the glory of God is incomplete, and therefore the way we manifest that, or the way we, <clears throat> the way we show that, or portray it is, that we say God's name is only Yudke. It's missing the last two letters, as if. So during exile, the name of God is not Yudke Vavke, it's called Yudke. And when Mashiach comes, then you'll have already Vavhe. The, the two letters will be added. Now I know you say, what do you mean? But we have them already. Oh, I, I know you have them already. But it means as follows, if I can explain it on an easier level to you. The letters Yudke Vavke stand for something. There's a Pasuk in Tehidim, we didn't get to it yet. Yismichu hashamayim v'tagel ha'aretz. Yudke vavke. Yismichu hashamayim v'tagel Which means, let the heavens rejoice, v'tagel ha'aretz, and let the earth also be happy. Until Mashiach comes, the glory of God is only in the heavens. However, on earth, we don't have that joy because the Shekhinah is in exile. So therefore, that's what they mean to say, that before Mashiach comes, the letters of God's name that are manifest are Yudke, which represent Yisrael Shamayim. The heavens are rejoicing because the glory of God is in heaven, but you don't have V'tagel Ha'aris, the Vavhe. The Vavhe is, is lacking. That's a simple way I can explain it to you so you can understand it. And that's what the Pasuk says at the end of Parashat B'Shalach, Kiyad al Kesya, Milhamala Hashem Ba'amalek Midor Dor, that until Amalek is destroyed and the temple is rebuilt. We call God's name Yah. Yeah, Yudke. Yudke. Fine. And that's what we mean when we say Kaddish. Yitkadal. Yitkadal should become Gadol. 
What should become gadol? Shemeh. Shemeh literally means your name. But if you take the word Shemeh, Shemeh actually can break it up into two parts. Shem Ya. Shemeh. Shin Mem Yud He. Shem Ya. Your name, which is now Ya, should become gadol. What do you mean it should become gadol? It should add the letters Vav He. You following uh, what we're saying over here? This is the simple covenant of Kaddish. I mean, uh, forget about it, the Tehidim class, which we have to know. Anyway, if you come to shul, you have to know what you're answering Amen to. I mean, Amen basically is saying, I, I agree, I, I'll drink to that. But if you don't know what you're drinking to, so how are you answering Amen? <clears throat> the Amen is saying, yes, I pray that the name of God, which is now minimal, Yudke, should become Rabbah, should become great. How does that happen? We're building up a temple, destruction of Amalek, etc. Now, Yigdal Elohim high, So Yigdal is a different item. Yigdal is, a, is the 13 principles of faith. And that's Elohim. That's a different name. For another story. So now, uh, the rabbis tell us also that the chair of God, which is the Kisei Kavod, is also incomplete until Mashiach comes. And that's why, instead of calling the chair of God Kisei, which is a chair, we call it in these days kiss. It's missing an aleph. Which we would say, it's a broken chair. And that's what the Pasuk says. Kiyad al kiss ya. The kiss is missing an aleph. And the yud ke is missing a vav ke. I heard from my rabbi, Hakam Baruch Shalom. So what three letters are we missing? We're missing the aleph of kiseh. And the vav here of Hashem's name. Which spells the word iva. Aleph vav So he said... The following. Kibahar Adonai Besiyon. Iva de Moshav Lo. It's a Pasuk we say in Pesukit, it's not every day. And he explained it like this, Hakam Baruch, Alav HaShalom. Kibahar Adonai Besiyon. When God is going to choose again to rest His presence in Zion, Kibahar Adonai Besiyon, then Iva, the letters, Aleph, Vav He, Le Moshav Lo. He will put them back in their proper places. They will be moshav. They will be rested in their, in their proper places. That's not the simple explanation of the pasuk. The simple explanation of the pasuk, Ivan means he yearns to settle there. God yearns. But the rabbi said, no. Why did the Torah use the letters Aleph Vavhet to mean yearning? Because it's hinting the three letters that it's uh, re- referring to. I also heard from Chief Rabbi of Jerusalem once, Rabbi Shlomo Amar, that also had a, uh, a variation uh, on this. And he said that uh, we say in prayer every day. I don't know if you pray this part of the prayer or not, but somebody listening must. I do at least. It, it, before the Amidah, we say, Ezrat Abotenu. And we say over there, uh, in V'yatsib V'nachon, in Ezrat Abotenu, before the Amidah, it says, Hu kayam, Ushmo kayam, nachon, kayem. So the rabbi explained like this, Hu kayam, literally means God. God is Kayam. He. God is Kayam. God exists. Ushmo Kayam. His name exists. And his chair is established. So Chief Rabbi explained like this. Who is the letters He, Vav, Aleph? Which is the three letters that we're missing. So he said, Who Kayam? When the three letters of who will be Kayam, then what's going to happen? Ushmo Kayam. Then the name of God will be Kayam, and the chair will be Kayam. So it works, it works like a charm. It's a beautiful, a beautiful derash. 
And uh, that's why the Ashkenazim have a, a Haman in the Amidah. We don't have it. The Ashkenazim have it. Uh, they have songs on it. Harahaman, hu yishlach lanu, etelyahu nabi. Zakud latov. Vibasel lanu. Misurot, tovot, yishuot, v'nechamot. You ever hear that? They say, Hashem, please send us Eliyahu nabi. And he should uh, be the one that heralds us, you know, good news, good tidings. That's Eliyahu nabi's job. He comes and gives us good news. So we say, Harahaman, hu yishlach lanu, etelyahu nabi. Zakud latov. He should give us good news. News of salvation. So the rabbi explained, First you have to send us the who. When you send us the who, the he, the vav, and the aleph, then Eliyahu and Abi will come. That's a precursor to the coming of Eliyahu and Mashiach. Okay, so therefore now you learned about three letters. Oh, and now we understand uh, also if you take the, uh, I'm happy to talk about these things today because today is the site of the Arizal, the great Kabbalist that revealed all these secrets. So therefore, it's a good, uh, it's always a good thing whenever we talk about the Tzaddikim, but especially on the, on the day, the 5th of Av is the site of the Arizal, great uh, Kabbalist. So he explained that if you take the words Yitkadal Kadash, which is referring to the name of God to become great, Yitkadal, how many letters are in Yitkadal? I did it. Yitkadal, five. Yitkadash, Yitkadash, six. So it's five and six. Five and six is perfect. That's, what, that's the letters we're missing. The five is He, and the six is Vav. So we're missing the Vav He. So therefore we're saying Yitkadal, Yitkadash. There's a rim is in the amount of letters in each of these words that Hashem. Add the letters He and Vav, or Vav and He, if you want to go forwards or backwards, that's another discussion. But the point is, Shemen Abat, Shem Yat, in the name of Yah, that it should become Rabbah. Ladies, I, I know if you came for stories, Tehidim doesn't always have stories. Sometimes there's technical, technical stuff, that's not, every, not everybody. The class that we teach in Tehidim, not for everybody. It has to be for a certain, you know, customer that likes to hear... Uh, uh, the men usually like this. It's very hard to find ladies that appreciate these types of... But Baruch Hashem, we found them. That's all we need is... All I need is one lady to sit in front of me to call it a ladies' class, and I fulfill my responsibility. So, but good for you that you appreciate these type of... Uh, these are the that I heard from Acham Baruch. He wasn't saying it to ladies. He wouldn't even think to say these to ladies. He only said it to the men. But I always say, why not? If you could find even a few ladies that can relate to these type of esoteric uh, ideas and appreciate the letters and the otiyot and which is deep stuff and uh, will be able to you know put story time on hold for a minute then you, you do yourself and your souls a great favor so this is what it means to say gadol there's going to come a time that in Yisrael gadol the name of God is going to become gadol which means what? The name will be Yudke Bavke. And when is that? It will be when he completes his Beta Sion, and his uh, dwelling will be in Sion. So that's Gadol Shemo, is referring to this concept of the name of God being uh, complete. Now, um, just one, one more uh, tidbit. I don't know if you say the Ketoret. Uh, a lot of things that are uh, in the men's section that don't reach the ladies' section. One of those is the ketorim. We say it three times a day. And we talk about the spices that were in the ketorim. 
and we actually count them with our hands. It says, Ve'ahad asar semanim ayubah. There were 11 spices in the Ketorim. And we say, Hasuri, Vasipodin, Vahadbena, Vedabona, etc., etc. And we count 11. <clears throat> and it's so important to bring the 11 spices and to read about the 11 spices. And the Kabbalists write because <clears throat> the uh, Kedipot, oh, the Kedipot, the negative energies were called them, the Satan and all his uh, cohorts, they uh, want to uh, refrain God's name from being complete. Of course, because once God's name, name is complete, the Satan is killed. He's murdered on that day. He, he melts. It's finished. He's over. That's one of the first orders when Mashiach comes. Bilah ha-mavet la-netzah. They're going to take the mavet and bilah, or they're going to swallow him up forever. So he is doing anything to sabotage this process. And you see what, you see what, you see the world looks? You see, now you know why the world looks like it looks? This is all part of the sabotage process, not to let B'nai Israel reach the final tikkun. So we need to fight fire with fire. So therefore, when we bring the ketoret, or even read the ketoret, it is like um, putting salt on an open wound of the satan. It, 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 it wards them away. It's like a, a kryptonite, we'll call it. It, it. it pushes them away. Why? Because there's 11 spices. And the letters that are missing are what? Vav he. Vav is six, and he is five. That's the 11 of Kedushah. And therefore he tries to come along and take, take, take the 11 from us. And therefore we have uh, uh, the Ketoret. When we say Ketoret, it's also part of the Tikkun of saying 11 spices of Kedushah. And that's really why the Ketoret has a, a, a great value uh, in what we're saying. It's ultimately to bring God's name to be Gadol. Now there's another explanation on the word Shalem. And I'd like to tell you it's based on uh, the Talmud in a few places. City of uh, Jerusalem. You have to ask yourself a question. <clears throat> in Hebrew, we call the city Yerushalayim. But in English, we call it Jerusalem. Now, how did that happen? I mean, it, in English, it should be Jerusalem, or whatever. But well, how does Yerushalayim come to be interpreted in English, Jerusalem. It's a different name. It's a different city. Well, actually, the English is not that far off. Because if you look in the Bible, uh, most of the time, the way Yerushalayim is spelled, it's spelled Yerushalem. Yerushalem. So therefore the interpretation would be Jerusalem, as it says in English. A few times it's written with a with the Yud, but most of the times it's written Yerushalem. Why? For the following reason. Where did the name Jerusalem come from? It's a good question. It wasn't some uh, chamber of commerce that uh, got together and gave it a name. We wouldn't let those, you know, clowns name our uh, holy city. The name has to come from a special place. So if you remember early on in the book of Bereshit, it says there was a fellow called Malkitzedek. It says, Umalkitzedek Melech Shalem. He was the king of the place called Shalem. And originally that was Jerusalem's name. It was just called Shalem. Shalem means completion, because it's the city of completion, of holiness, of perfection. And he was the king of Shalem. Uh, 
that's why you hear they have some cities around America that used to be a religious country, Salem, Salem, Massachusetts, and Salem, Oregon, and Salem. That's the original name of Jerusalem. It was just called Salem, the, the second part of the, part of the name, Shalem. Until Abraham got involved, Abraham went to do the Akedah. And when Abraham did the Akedah, he did it on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. That's where the Akedah Yitzhak was. And then afterwards, Abraham said, wow, this place over here I'm renaming. And I'm calling it Hashem Yir'eh. The place where Hashem will see. Yir'eh. That he should always look at this place and remember the event that took place over here and have mercy on his children. So now we have a problem. <laughs> Malkit Sedek called the place Shalem. And uh, Abraham called it Yir'eh. So when God came to register the name, he said, who am I going to go? If I, if I call it Shalem, it'll be disrespectful to Abraham. If I call it Yir'eh, it'll be disrespectful to Malkit Sedek. So he said, you know what? The way you make the tzaddikim happy is you make shalom and we'll combine both names. So therefore, the name Yerushalayim or Yerushalem, Jerusalem is actually a combination of Yir'eh, Shalem. Now, I know what you're saying, but even if you combine the names, it's not Yerushalem, it should be Yir'eh, Shalem. So the Tuzafot says, if you take the last two letters of Yir'eh, it's Aleph He. Aleph He is six. What letter in the alphabet is six? Avab. So they turned the last two letters of Yira'eh, the alphabet, to Avab. So now Yira'eh becomes Yeru. So now you have Yeru Shalem. That's how we got Jerusalem. Abraham's name, Yira'eh, that becomes Yeru. And the original name, which was called... So the Englishmen got it right. When they called it Jerusalem... It, it, it's, 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 it's pronounced correctly the way it should be. So now your question is going to be to me, so where do we get Yerushalayim? It's a good question. So, Yerushalayim basically is plural for Jerusalem. Regel Raglayim. Ozen Oznayim. Yad Yadayim. Yerushalayim, Yerushalayim. Yeah, Absolutely. I'm not such a great grammarian, but that, that much I know. That when you put the yud, the yud makes it into plural. Now you're going to come and tell me, well, the only problem is, you're going to tell me that I know you have two hands and you have two ears, but do you have two Jerusalems? And you do. The Gemara says in Ta'anid that there's Yerushalayim shel ma'ala, there's Yerushalayim shel mata. That there's a virtual Jerusalem in heaven that parallels the Jerusalem on earth and the Kedushah of Yerushalayim shel mata is benefiting from the Kedushah from Yerushalayim Shemala. And if it's Yerushalayim, we're hinting to the, uh, it's twin cities. Like it says in Tehillim in a different chapter, Yerushalayim ki'ir shechubbera la yahdav. Jerusalem, the city that has a haver. Shechubbera la yahdav. It's attached. What's attached to? It's attached to its sister city in the heavens. That's why it's called Yerushalayim. Now, you don't have uh, a New York in heaven. It's enough that we have one on earth. But there's, I mean, there might be one in heaven, but not in heaven, in the other place. But the point is, Jerusalem has a city in heaven. And, and, and the, 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 the deeper explanation would be is that every city is physical. However, Jerusalem also has a spiritual element. It's the capital, not only of uh, the, 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 the monarchy of Jewish people, that's where the kings would sit in, Yerush- in Jerusalem. So that represents the materialistic part of it, but it's also the spiritual capital. So therefore Yerushalayim is doubled, being that it's our capital city of 
of government, and it's all our capital city of spirituality, hence the double Yerushalayim. Anyway, uh, that's what the Pasuk is saying over here. That when God will come back to Shalem, which is a short way of saying Jerusalem, Shalem over here means Jerusalem, Sukkot, and he will come build his Sukkot, which is his Beit HaMikdash, that's, um, that's some interesting information. Now, listen, I, I hope we can get through the whole chapter. We're having a hard time getting past the first couple of Pesukim, as you see. And uh, I still have something, something else to say from the Gaon de Vilna. The Gaon de Vilna, when he saw this Pasuk, he saw something unique uh, about uh, Sukkot and Me'onato. And he said like this, most mitzvot that we fulfill, it's usually with a certain uh, limb of our body that fulfills the mitzvah. Men put on tefillin, so it's the arm and, and the head. Uh, person, uh, you know, lady likes the candle, so she does it with her hands and her eyes. Mitzvot engage different parts of the body. But it's not so, um, it's not so common that you have a mitzvah that engulfs the entire <coughs> of the body, the whole, the whole of the person. And the Gaume Vilna said, there's a few mitzvot that uh, uh, it's like 3D. You walk into the mitzvah and you're surrounded and you're in the mitzvah, which is weird. When I, when I wear tefillin, I'm not in the mitzvah. The tefillin are on me, but I'm not in the tefillin. But he said, when you walk into a sukkah, so the sukkah is the mitzvah. So when I walk into the sukkah, it's an amazing type of mitzvah. I'm, I'm surrounded in the... In the, in the and, and the Mikubalim compare a, a sukkah to a dry mikveh. Because mikveh is a mitzvah also, that you, you're surrounded totally in a, in a mitzvah. So a sukkah, you don't get wet unless it rains. Then it's, a, then, it's, then it's really like a mikveh. But the point is that sukkah is one type of mitzvah like that. And the second mitzvah is living in Eris Yisrael. Because when you, Eris Yisrael to live in Eris is a mitzvah. Now, when you're living in Eris Yisrael, the whole of you, is being engulfed into the mitzvah. So therefore the Gaon of Vilna saw that there's only shilimut, there's only completion of the entirety of the body in the mitzvah of sukkah and yeshuv eris Israel. So the way he learned the pasuk was, vayhi b'shalem. When does a person fulfill the mitzvah? B'shalemut, sukkah, that's the sukkah, um'onato b'siyon. And when he has his dwelling in Siyon, which is Jerusalem and Eretz Yisrael. So that's a, a remez to two special mitzvot, sukkah and Eretz Yisrael, that have that element of, um, of wholeness and uh, oneness that the whole person is able to enter. But there's a, a deeper explanation. I take a risk, uh, but... Okay, I've been, uh, I've been told that I take risks. So, I'm going to present now something that I believe is very, very, uh, very elegant and very beautiful uh, based on teachings of the Hatam Sofer. But in order to appreciate it, we need some introductions. 
where I'm getting this is from the Hatam Sofer. He gave many dirashot. This rabbi was incredible with his dirashot. I recently received uh, six volumes, like an encyclopedia, just of the speeches of this rabbi called Hatam Sofer. Uh, go, take a lifetime to go through them. But you know, every week I try to read a few of them. And uh, this is a dirashah that he gave on the first day of Sukkot. And this is what he said. He said that the Jewish people have inherently in their religion, in their uh, system of Judaism, three items that connect us to Kiddushah. Three uh, conduits, conductors of Kiddushah. And these three conductors are critical to our existence. I know you know one of them is the Torah. That goes, that goes without saying. The Torah is probably one of the main connections that we have to holiness. Whatever holiness is. To spiritual divineness. The Torah is a key, a key element. I mean, uh, you could do all the yoga you want, but that's not going to get you to, uh, 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 to Kiddushah. It might get you to other places, but Kiddushah can only be accomplished through one of the three. Torah is one. The other item that the Rab writes is Sadiqim. Interesting. Hachamim. Hachamim, Sadiqim. The nation always needs to have Sadiqim. The Gemara says there will always be 36 Sadiqim in a generation. Another Gemara says there will always be 45 Sadiqim. There always has to be a measure of Sadiqim in the nation to keep the flow of Kiddushah through them at least coming down into the world. Uh, that Rav Chaim Vital said that uh, uh, in every generation there is a great Sadiq that has a connection to Eliyahu Hanavi. And Arizal was that connection. He used to learn with Eliyahu Hanavi for many years. Could you imagine the Prophet Eliyahu Hanavi came down from heaven and he's learning with a Prophet who, if you, if you understand that Eliyahu Hanavi was Pinehas, that means Pinehas is Eliyahu. Pinehas learned Torah from Moshe Rabbeinu. Straight, clearly shown. <laughs> and now he's teaching the Arizal. So this is Torah going from Moshe to Binaz to Rabbeinu Ari. Great, great. So the Tzadikim, that's the second, the second item. And the third item that Ab says, which connects us to Kiddushah, is the uh, Bet HaMikdash. It's the temple. I have good news and I have not such good news. I have good news is that we still have the Torah, thank God. And I have good news is that we still have Tzadikim and Tabi Hachamim running around. They're not, they're not, actually, they're not running around. They're sitting in the bit Midrash learning. They're sitting around. Which is a good thing. But I'm sorry to tell you, and you probably found that I heard about it already, that we don't have the Beit HaMikdash, so we're missing that third, uh, that third connector. Right? And it's a problem. Because for, for, the, for, the, for the electricity to work... I mean, the, the tradition is you need three Kiddushot. What are they again? Torah, Tzadikim, Tamid HaChamim, and the Beit HaMikdash. And that's easy. You have to know that when you learn Torah, you have to know that when you see certain words, those words stand for something. Not only for the apparent translation, but the Torah a lot of times uses code. Now, if you don't speak code, then you won't know the depth of what the word means. You know, I could tell you, uh, buy it. 
means. Oh, I know that. That's a house. It's okay. That's what you think it is. That's a simple interpretation. But maybe by it has a, a deeper interpretation. So therefore, every word always has the apparent translation, and then it has what it represents on a, on a deeper level. I'll give you an example. When, when you hear me say the word yam, what do you think of? Right. You think of the beach. You think of the ocean. No, no problem. A few minutes you'll be there. But the point is, the point is, most people, when you tell them yam, yam, yam's the ocean. But look at you look outside, you can see the yam over here. But when you talk to tzaddikim, you talk to clever people that know, you know, nuance, they know language, and you tell them yam, they say, oh, the yam, that represents the Torah. Because the Torah is endless like the yam. As a matter of fact, they call it mayim she'en himself. The water, the Torah is like waters that have no end. Uh, you ever hear of Yama Torah? The Yam of the Torah. It's, 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 it's an endless Mayim is Torah. So therefore they refer to Yam on a deeper level. Yam is Torah. Because of the vastness of it. Uh, or because just like water is life-sustaining, Torah is life-sustaining, so that's the connection to, to Yam. And if I wanted to even explain it a little deeper, we know that there's 50 levels of wisdom that they talk about. The nun share bina, the 50 share bina, and yam equals 50, yudmen. So therefore there's a reason why when you start breaking down the word, you'll start to see, wow, I thought it just meant the ocean, but now I see 50. What's 50 got to do with the ocean? Oh, the 50 share bina. Bina is referring to the Torah. Simple example, yes? I'll give you another example. If you have a minute, I'll give you another example. If I were to tell you rakia. That's a $10 word for Shamayim. Shamayim is the heaven. But if I want to be more, if I want to intimidate you, instead of saying Shamayim, which everybody knows, Shamayim, I say Rakia. That's the word God used when he created it. He called it a Rakia. So what do you say? The heavens. Or you look in the English, the firmament, whatever that means. It's the heavens, the Rakia. But the Arizal, he said, when you talk to you know, the people who know. Uh, when Moshe Rabbeinu, for example, was giving his last speech, at the end of the book of Devarim, what does he say? Ha'azinu hashamayim. Was he talking to the heavens? I mean, sometimes when we give speech, we think we're talking to the, I'm talking to the walls half the time, but Moshe Rabbeinu, is he talking to the heavens? Ha'azinu hashamayim. Uh, he's talking to the people. So that Israel says, there's certain people in the nation that are nicknamed shamayim. Because... They have high souls, and their mind is always thinking about the Shamayim. So the Tzaddikim and the Tamidah their nickname is Rakia. When I say Rakia, I can either be referring to the physical heavens, or the people that are considered like heavens. Heaven on earth, those are the Tzaddikim, those are the Hakamim. So they're called nickname, Tzaddik. Parentheses, a.k.a., that's the shit word, also known as Nakia. Why would you call him Nakia? Because his, 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 his brain is in the, in the sky all day long. His brain is in the heavens all day long. And he's endowed with the Holy Soul. That's what Darizal says. Can I give you one more example? Then I think I proved my point. Three is a charm. So I'll just give you one more example. <clears throat> when you hear the word, Kiseh, what do you think of? Chair. Okay, very nice, chair. And you're not wrong. 
But when the tzaddikim hear the word kiseh, that's referring to kiseh kavod, the chair of glory, the seat of glory. And the real seat of glory was when in the temple, uh, the rabbis uh, give the example that the Beit HaMikdash was like the, um, the footrest of God. You know, imagine somebody's a king sitting on a big chair. And they put a, uh, you know, a footrest in front of him. So they considered, the Ha'ares Hadom Raglai, the earth is like my, my footrest. The, so it's, it's connected to the Kiseh. The Beit HaMikdash was part of a, a, a structure where God rests. So you heard the three that I gave you? Let's review again. Yam is what? Torah. Beautiful. Rakia. The Tzadikim Hakamim. And Kiseh. Is that Kabot? Very nice. Which is the Kiseh? Which is the Beit HaMikdash? Now take those three terminologies that I just told you. The Yud for Yam, the Resh for Rakia, and the Chaf for Kiseh, and create a word, like Scrabble, create a word. What's the word? Yerech. What is Yerech? The leg. The leg. Now, now, let, now that we know about Yerech, and what Yerech stands for, the three pillars of Judaism that bring us to Kedushah, now let's go see in the Bible if we see this word Yerech written. Aha, uh-huh, we do. You remember that night when Yaakov Avinu was fighting with the angel? The man, which was Satan himself. And he was fighting with Yaakov. And what does it say? Where did he, where was he able to hit and, and, and get Yaakov? He was able to get him in the Kafyerich. And what was the Satan going after? He was going after Yerich. He knew that if he could take away from Yaakov the Yerich, the Torah, the Tzaddikim, the Achamim, and the Beit HaMikdash, it's over. That's why he didn't punch him in the nose. Ask yourself a question. What do you get him in the Yerich for? Punch him in the nose. No, because the Yerich represents the three items that Satan was trying to remove from B'nai Israel. Am I making sense so far? I can't go slower than this. <laughs> Any slow, I'm going backwards. This is the Yerich. So when he hit the Yerich of Yaakov, there was an intent here. Now, guess what? I, I'm happy to tell you, he failed. <laughs> because we still have Torah. So he couldn't get the Yud. The Yam we still have. Tzadiki, yeah, we still have rabbis sitting upstairs learning Torah. They're all over the place. They're studying Torah. He was not able to get the Resh. But which letter of Yerich was he able to get? The Kaf. Beit HaMikdash we don't have. So the letter Chaf of Yerich, he was able to get. And that's what it means in the Pasuk. Vatiga, he was able to have a hold where Bekaf Yerich. The letter Chaf of the word Yerich. Understand how we're learning it? Vatiga, he was able to have a hold. He was able to put his venom. Where? Bekaf Yerich. In the letter Chaf of the word Yerich. He was not able to affect the Yud of Yerich. That's Torah, Yam. 
He was not able to affect the Rakiyah, the Shaban, the Tzaddikim, they're still with us. But the Chaf, he was able to get the Kiseh. That's where he was able to put his, to put his, to put his, to put his venom. So we have, we, we have a problem. Atam Sufis says, uh, he, he got us. Uh, listen, he got, um, I don't know, one third. That's, that's a lot. It's 33% of our Kiddushah uh, <laughs> comes from the Beit HaMikdash. And the fact that that was removed is, is problematic. He goes on to say that although Yaakov Abinu walked away limping, if you remember, but by the next morning already, the sun came out and he was, he was cured. Which means, even for what the Satan did, there was a, there was a fix to a certain degree. The Gemara says, and I'm quoting, that the Gemara Megillah, page 29, God says there is an institution in the Jewish community that's called Mikdash Me'at, which is a miniature Beta Mikdash. Mazim Mikdash Me'at. I always thought either have the Mikdash or you don't have the Mikdash. Miniature Mikdash, maybe they're referring to that model in, uh, you know, in Israel, they have a model of the, of the temple. Uh, Mikdash Me'at, it's uh, you know, the Holy Land Hotel, they have a model of the, of the, of the, of the Beta Mikdash. Let's not talking about that. You know, it's not talking about a Legoland where they made a model of the Beta Mikdash. So what does it mean, Mikdash Me'at? Very good. So the Gemara says, Elu medrashot. Oh, so the Knis, the Bet Knesset, and the Bet Midrash is a satellite of what the Bet Mikdash is. So we still have something. Is it the Bet Mikdash? No, it's not. But it's something. That's why it's so important to build synagogues and to build Bet Midrash. Because you need a lot of them to replace one, 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 one Mikdash Gadol. It's like when uh, Acham Avadiah passed away, the great rabbi. I heard some, a rabbi eulogized him and said, to replace Rabbi Avadiah Yosef, you need 10,000 rabbis learning all day long just to replace the energy of Torah that we lost to this one man. So similarly, when we lose the Beit Mikdash. So that put a lot of Kiddushan to Bnei Israel. So you need to now say, well, okay, we lost one building, we'll build another building. No, 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 it's not one against one anymore. This was a, a nuclear reactor that was pumping, uh, you know, Kiddushan on a very high level. So now you need to build a lot of smaller reactors in order to pick up the slack that we're losing from. So anytime we have a building of a Bet Knesset and a Bet Midrash, it's a great thing for Klai Yisrael. We're getting closer to replacing or replenishing, I should say. That's why, they, that's why it's so difficult to do these things. That's why the Satan doesn't allow Betikinesio uh, to be built that easily. Uh, when I write my book about how we're building our shul in Brooklyn, you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, uh, how not, that's not so easy to build a, a synagogue. I, I'm the official expert on that, on that topic. And anybody wants to know, you know if they should build a synagogue, is it easy or not, please send them to me and I, I can tell them step by step exactly what it, what it entails to build a synagogue. And take my word, it's not easy. It's not easy. And not, not because it's big or small, it's just it's not easy. 
even when we redid this synagogue, we had a lot of stumbling. But only because the Satan doesn't want it. What do you think? The Satan, he didn't, he, by the way, as far as I know, the Satan didn't surrender yet. He's still, he's still here. So he's not going like, to, just like he was able to get the Mitha Mikdash to fall down, he's not too happy anytime a bit Knesset is inaugurated or a bit Midrash is inaugurated. So that's a slap in his face. That's why it's a victory. We make a big fuss when we do these things. It's a, it's a victory. Anyway, so we have Mikdash Me'at. We have what we call a miniature Beit Mikdash. So uh, we have something. Now, I have a sefer over here called Lev Abraham. Interpretation on the Tehillim. And he comes along and he expounds. He says... Originally, we needed three complete items. We needed Torah, Yam, we needed Sadiqim, Hachamim, and we better Mikdash. We need three. Now he says, we don't have three, we have, we'll call it two and a half. The two we have, and then the particular Siyot is a miniature, so it's two and a half. He says, where else do you see in Judaism that something to be perfect needs three, but you can get away with two and a half. Sukkah. Sukkah, the Gemara says, is that you can get away with three walls. Three walls is a kosher sukkah. However, the Torah says three walls. But the rabbis came along and said, you know what? Even if you don't have three walls, even if you have two walls and a, the third wall is just a, a tefah, just a little plank of wood, so it's two and a little, that's okay. Oh, so we start to see that there is an option where even though preferably you would need three, but two and a little, two and a tefah, works. You see that model in sukkah. So far so good? You see that model in sukkah? I'll explain. You need a lot of introductions, but to me the introductions are, are so beautiful because it teaches us some depth of how, how to understand things. Originally, when God created the world, you know he created the world with, with injustice. Uh, he created it just using the measure of strictness. How do I know that? In the beginning it was just Elohim, judgment. Now, that's a strict way of creating a world because there's no measure of clemency, there's no mercy. And then later on it says that God said, you know what, they're not going to be able to live according to this high standard of strict judgment, maybe when Mashiach comes. So then God added an element of mercy into the world. That's why if you look later on in the, in the text when God created the world, it says... Um, Biyom bero Elohim, biyom ele toledot shamayim ve'aris. This is the story. Biyom bero Hashem Elohim eres v'shamayim. The Torah then introduces Hashem. I'm sorry. Ele toledot shamayim ve'aris behibbaream when He created them, uh, and who created them? Hashem Elohim. So He added the element of Hashem. Originally, it wasn't like that. Originally it was just strictness. 
So listen to what the tzaddikim say, how amazing this is. The first letter of the Torah is what? Okay, you got it. You didn't even have to look in the book. Bereshit. Now if you looked in the book, you'd see it's a big bet. Now you know what the bet is. The bet basically is a three-walled sukkah. The bet has three walls. In the world, when God created the world initially with strict judgment, you need all three. You need all three. You need Torah, you need Sadiqim, you need uh, Bet HaMikdash, Bereshit, Bara Elohim. In the beginning, the Bet, it has to be three. But Borei Olam says, uh, they're not going to be able to survive that, especially got Satan with them and all that stuff. So there has to be an alternate plan. So later on, when God adds the element of mercy, what does it say in the Pasuk? This is the story of the Shemaiwas. It says he created the world now with a head. Now, what is a head? A head is two walls and a tefah. So, there are, two, there are two types of sukkah there's a sukkah of a bet, and then there's a sukkah of a head. The hair is two and a teva. That God said when He introduced the level of mercy, He said, "You know what? They're not going to always have three, but guess what? They're going to be able to survive even with two and a and a little, as long as Torah is strong, as long as it's always tamidachamim, tzaddikim. Even they don't have a temple, they don't need mikdash gadol. Even if they have mikdash me'at, one teva, two and a teva will be will be enough." It's a, it's a big hadush of it. You see, the letters that Hashem uses when He's talking in the creation are significant. There's a difference between a letter bet and a, and a letter here. We are, and that's why maybe you've heard, maybe we talk about it all the time, but I don't know, maybe you go to other classes, you hear it there too, that they say that this world corresponds to the letter here. They say, Olam Abba is the letter Yud. Now you understand why this world is corresponding. Thank God it's corresponding to the letter here. If they would have told me that this world is corresponding to the letter bet, we'd be in trouble. Because the bed is broken. I- incidentally, how do you say house in Hebrew? Which is the letter bet. Bet is bayit. The way you would spell the letter bet phonetically is bet yutaf. Bet which is also the same letters as Bayit. When the Shem created the world with justice, there has to be a Bayit. The Bet has to be there. The Bet HaMikdash has to be there. The hair represents when the Bayit is broken. <laughs> Basically, the letter hair is like a broken, broken Bet. You broke, you broke one of the walls. And now you have a, uh, a hair. You following what we're saying over here? Deep stuff. So therefore, on that night that Yaakov Abinu uh, was fighting with uh, the angel. Now, I, I don't know if you have your calendars with you, but anybody know what night that was on the Jewish calendar? That the fight happened 
I'll take a guess. It was that night that the Satan was able to put his venom on the Beit HaMikdash. He's so smart. That's exactly what the Kabbalists say, that the night that Yaakov was fighting with the angel was Tisha B'Av. So we're coming back to that anniversary of that, you know, of that night. That night is a, is a bad luck night from not today, from, from Yaakov. So the Beit HaMikdash wasn't destroyed in whatever year, 33, 29, or whatever, whatever they say the year is. The Beit HaMikdash was destroyed already <laughs> that night. Yaakov already saw everything that night. When the, the business was already done. The contract was signed already for the destruction on that night with the Yerich. But Yaakov Abinu, when he gets up the next morning and still walking without a limp, that means they figured an alternate. There's an alternate. And what's the alternate? The hair. We have the Batim Midrash. We have Batim Knesiyot. And that's why Yaakov Abinu, uh, if you remember when he went down to Egypt, the first thing he does is he sends down his son Yehuda. And what does he tell Yehuda? He sends him down as a precursor before they went down. Go build the yeshiva in Goshen. It says, Ve'et Yehuda shalah lefanav Goshna. He sent them down to Goshen. Why? He said, we cannot go to Mitzrayim unless we have a yeshiva there. So Yaakov Abinu already, Yaakov Abinu is, is telling us that in the future generations when you're going into exile, make sure that Bet HaMikdash you're not going to have. But make sure you take the yeshiva with you. Make sure you build Batekin Esiyot. That's Yaakov Avinu doing that. And he doesn't go down until the yeshiva is established. That's why Yehuda went down, went down first. That's the Indian of Yehuda. Why does he send Yehuda down first? That's a good question in itself. From all the Shivatim, he has. He has the hair in his name, Yehuda. Yeah, he has two hairs in his name. Yehuda has two hairs. It's like Hashem's name, Yudke Vavke. He has the two hairs in his name. Actually, actually Yehuda has the full name of Hashem, Yudke Vavke, which is, a, which is another discussion in itself. But he has the hair. Therefore, he sends down Yehuda. Oh, where does that bring us? So now I'm reading. Kolzman, Kolzim is Manazeh. All this is in our time, in the time of Galut. In the future, then we're going to be able to go back to the way it was supposed to be in Bereshit Barai Elohim. The original, the three walls. We're going to go back to the three walls. And when is that going to be? Now go read the Pasuk. The Pasuk will be read in our chapter. Noda bihuda Elohim. It'll be revealed to the Jewish people that are called Yehuda. Now the Jewish people are called Yehuda because they're only relying on what? Batim Midrash. Just like Yaakov relied on Yehuda to build the Bet Midrash in Goshen. No doubt, Yehuda, those Jews that do not have a Bet Midrash, they only have Batim Midrash, the Batikanisiyot. And which tribe was the one that built the Batikanisiyot in the Bet Midrash? Yehuda. But there's going to come a time where it's going to be real to Yehuda, Elohim. The name of God, Elohim, what is that? Judgment. And when is that going to be that the name of Elohim is going to come back? Next pasuk. God will finish and rebuild his Beit HaMikdash and make it complete. And his dwelling will be in Sion. 
and then we will have the Beit HaMikdash, and now the world will go back to the original way, we're supposed to be in the first Pasuk in the Torah. In the first Pasuk in the Torah, Bereshit, Barai, Elohim, Et HaShamayim, Et HaAres, it was Elohim. Now we can't live on the level of Elohim, because we're Yetzirara. But once you get rid of the Yetzirara, we can live on, on the level of Elohim. There's, there's no, there's no Yetzirara. So the Pasuk is saying, Noda Bihuda. Those people of the Jewish people that are like Yehuda, that are living in exile, that build yeshivas, that build Batek and but that's gonna, therefore they only have a hair. But Elohim, Hashem of judgment, is going to come again, like he was supposed to in the first Pasuk. But then he had to change it. And then what's going to happen when he does that? We, but wait, you're going to ask me, we couldn't survive with Elohim. Yeah, because there was Yetzirah then, but that is no Yetzirah when Mashiach comes. And what's he going to do? He's going to add the third wall. The sukkah is going to be complete. What's going to happen? It's going to turn from a hair into a, into a bet. <laughs> you understand what's going on? That's the whole goal. Those are the two letters. And I'll add to you that those are the two letters we always have to keep in our minds. And that's why we have the custom, whenever we take out a piece of paper, what do we write on the top? We write bet here, bet here. Baruch Hashem. But the bet here has a deeper understanding what the bet here is. That we're telling the ultimate is the bet. Now it's here. But the air is going to turn into a bet. There was going to be. <laughs> so we say Baruch Hashem, of course, Be'ezat Hashem. But Be'ezat Hashem what? Be'ezat Hashem in the letters themselves. That this hair, which is very good, thank God, Hashem gave us an option. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's, it's, it's a consolation prize. This that we're in the Bet Knesset is great, but it's a consolation prize. It's not the, that's not the main item. It's a hair, it's two, two walls and a broken wall. But okay, counts. But when Hashem is going to come back, like in the first pursuit, Bereshit Parai Elohim, Tashvam it's going to go back to becoming a, a bit full. It's going to be complete. Now, ladies, don't tell me you knew this already. Okay. No, no, because sometimes you go, oh, well, we knew this already. How did you, I didn't know it myself. So how did you know it? I just want to make sure you don't tell me you knew it. I think we did this chapter justice, although we didn't read every pasuk. I can't commit to do every pursuit, but I'll just conclude. If we want to say one, one last cherry on the, on, the, on the cake. And where do we pray for all this? We pray for this in the Kaddish. Like I told you, let your name become great. And this is all talking about, we're praying for that moment where the name of God will become great. Where does it become great? In Jerusalem, in the Beit HaMikdash, and so on and so forth. Now, there's different customs in how different communities answer Kaddish. If you ever prayed by the Ashkenazim, they say, That's it. That's all they do. They discount. They say only seven words. You come to us, 
And we answer, Yeshemer Abam, Barak, Lalam, Dalme, Almaya, Yitbarak, Vishaba, Vitpar, Vitroma, Vitnesse, Vitadar, Vitale, Vitala, Shemed, Lamin, Kob, Shirataj, Damir, and Balma. Twenty eight words. They answer seven, we answer twenty eight. Okay, put, put the customs on the side. But we all agree that what are we praying for? That yes, let this, so the, the, the glory of God be revealed forever and ever, and that the blessings will come, and so on. So it's all the same prayer. Now, where did they get to answer seven words, and where did we get to answer 28? Where did it come from? You remember I told you that when God originally created the world, had He created using which name? Elohim. And then He said, too strict. And he put that form of creation on hold. When is that form of creation going to return? When Mashiach comes. Take the first pasuk in the Torah. Bereshit, bara, Elohim, et hashamayim ve'et ha'ares. There's seven words in that pasuk. And that's why the Ashkenazim, they answer seven to connect themselves to that first pasuk. That represents that moment when the Elohim will come back and the world will be reaching us. So you ask us, uh, the words Faradim don't know how to count? No, we know how to count, we just count a little more detailed. How many letters are in the first Pasuk? 28 letters. And therefore, everybody's following this, the, the frame of the first Pasuk. The question is, you want to go according to the words or you want to be a little more technical and go according to the no according to the letters. Now, if, if, uh, if that's the case, so we understand what this has to do with the first pasuk. Why is the first pasuk the model of, um, of anything? And that will explain to us, when you leave, you can open up your chumashim to Bereshit, and you'll see the first rashi, the first rashi on, on the Torah, page one, rashi one. He says, Bereshit bara Elohim, in this pasuk, you see God telling the Jewish people the strength of His power. I always learned that the strength of His power is creating the world. But the Kabbalists say, Koah, Koah is 28. Koah, as she begins the Torah, the Torah is coming to tell you the Koah in the 28 letters. That's the Koah of the first pasuk, which represents the 28 words that we subsequently replace by answering in the country. So these are appropriate words for the chapter. They're also appropriate words for the timing of the chapter, which is right before Tisha uh, B'Av, that we're praying that HaKadosh Baruch should take our Batekin Yisiyot, which probably means, uh, I'm done, but this, is, this just came to my mind, I don't want to not say it, that's what it probably means when it says all the shuls and all the batimidash ultimately they're going to come to Jerusalem. Because that's in the sense that all of them together will have the same impact as a beta mikdash. They'll have to come back together. Or, and plus with a beta mikdash. But they all have to come back together for, the, for, for, for that. For that. And it is our prayer that Borei Olam should uh, answer our prayers that we say in the Kaddish. And as we said in the chapter over here, and I'll read this the words again, God should reveal to Yehuda the name Elohim like he did in the first pasuk in the Torah, and Gadol Shemo, 
His name should be Gadol, which is Yud Kevavke, and that'll be Vayib B'Shalem, whether it's Shalem is Jerusalem for short, or Vayib B'Shalem Sukkot, when the Sukkah of God will have three walls, Umonato B'Siyon.